Hello and welcome to episode 77. <laughs> I thought it was episode 77 and then I started second guessing myself. Of the Carrier's Edge podcast, our season finale for the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Mark Morell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And I'm Jane Jezrowie, the other one. And we are just back from a very busy week, so mm-hmm. we either have a lot to talk about or we're so burned out it will be a five-minute episode and be done. I'm caffeinated, so. Okay. I'm somewhat upright, but I'm not operating on all, like, I'm not firing on all cylinders. Like, it's kind of a, The one good thing that I think between yesterday and today, I didn't have to get on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Holy crow. And I'm all wired because I just had to vent to hotel manager, but all of the terrible things that happened at our event. So speaking of which, we had our first in-person event, like our first corporate in-person event. So we got to meet our entire team for the first time in two and a half years. Yes. Our first all staff meeting Mm -hmm. in person since the fall of 2019. And our staff has grown. And it was awesome. It was very awesome. It was really, really, really great to meet everybody. We brought everybody into town and did a full day event. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was on Monday. Much to the chagrin of Air Canada. Yes. <laughs> the airlines did their best to prevent it from happening. Yeah, man. But it happened. We got all of our people there from across the country. Everybody came in, had a, a full day uh, event of kind of team building. Ugh hate using that phrase, but getting to know each other, working with their departments, working across department, mm-hmm. listening to us drone on about things. I didn't drone on too much. That no, was you. that was mostly me. Okay. Listening to me drone on about things. And I don't drone. And asking us anything. Yes. We had an Ask Mark and Jane Anything section, and I was worried that we wouldn't get any questions, but there was 50 questions. So. And now we have to, we did not finish answering them, so we have to... Like we have to do it in in writing. Well, there was a couple of good ones. There was um, there were some very good ones in there. I'll leave those to the end. The one that the one that was I thought was kind of surprising was what's the one song that you know, you would play if you, if you only had one song that you had to. And you keep coming back to that. I was really I was really surprised because before this happened, Mark is telling me, okay, you know, keep these answers to a minimum so we can get through as many as we can. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to just answer the question. And you did. Yeah. I didn't think that was a surprise. But the, the question was, because there were some fun ones and there were some cor- corporate ones. And the fun one was, what song would you listen to? And No, what, if you could only listen to one. No, if you could only play one song yeah. for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. And it would pretty much... As soon as I could get the words out, that was what I said. And then I sort of looked at you and was expecting a Rush song. Well. And then, and then what I got was, um. Well, because I didn't know if they meant to listen to it or to perform it. <laughs> and if I'm listening to a song or performing, that's going to be a very different answer. And oh, my God. then I'm thinking, well, if it's only one song forever, I mean, what song would be challenging enough? that I would still get enjoyment <laughs> out of doing it over and over and over again. You see why I have the Rage song. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, maybe it's a pink song. Maybe it's, you know, uh, I can't remember. Raise Your Glass, I think, mm. is another one that I would, I would be all right listening to over and over. But we had a good time. 
It was a very, it was a very good, good time. meeting, and we got a good uh, sense of our corporate objectives for the next year mm-hmm. because uh, people were working on some problem solving as a, in groups, and it worked uh, very nicely. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful day, and we modeled it after a conference. So we had a general session, mm-hmm. and we had a, a networking break, and we yes. had breakout sessions, which I hadn't really thought of until. I was putting the agenda together and I realized that we had opening and closing general sessions and then we had breakouts <laughs> and we had an executive panel and networking breaks in the between. Yes. So we presented the agenda like it was a conference and uh, anybody who's ever been to a corporate event laughed. Yeah, I was watching Courtney and she was, she was uh, enjoying that quite a bit. So it was a really good time. And then after that, we spent three days at the Collision Conference. Oh, man, Collision. And what was crazy is that people were talking, like there were three sessions where people talked about the trucking industry. Wow. Well, one of the sessions, uh, one of the panel was Convoy, and Convoy is a big... Something, some tech thing. I don't know, they, some tech thing. I think that they do, they look at major supply chain issues like shipping as well. It's not just trucking, but it's all of that interchange between ocean shipping and truck shipping and freight in general. I think they do freight statistics and I I don't know. I would have to look it up, but they're not a trucking company, so I'm not totally sure what they do. Although I knew the name. Yeah. So it was really hilarious. (laughs) This guy who's like the grand eye trucking booba had no idea about the... uh, the convoy that happened in like the trucking event that happened in both Canada and the U.S. where truckers all basically blocked, you know, blocked Ottawa for what did it, what were they actually? Like three weeks or something. The convoy months. protest. Yeah, it happened for, it was like a month. It also happened in the U.S. It was all over the news and this guy had never heard of it. And it was quite hilarious to listen to someone try and bluff their way through something they had no idea about. And the person who was the moderator was a Fox News business host, and she knew. <laughs> yeah. This guy didn't know, and he, and he should have just, like, said, change the subject. But And then he also didn't know that drivers were getting raises. <laughs> he said that drivers, he basically said drivers were not getting raises, and I was in the audience going, What? <laughs> I was yelling at the stage. Anybody who may have been near me must have been thinking that I was crazy. His interpretation was everybody became an owner-operator. And my thinking after that was that they may have become owner-operators, but they didn't change jobs. Mm -hmm. They just tried to buy their own truck. And if they failed, they probably just went back to being a driver. Like There's no knowledge of the industry's human capital problems at all. Like none at all. Well, let's go back a little bit and sort of uh, recap what Collision is, because it isn't actually about collisions. It is a tech conference which features an awful lot of investors and an awful lot of startups Mm -hmm. generally trying to do matchmaking. And the sessions are all tech people, tech leaders talking about different tech issues. And they're very short. It's so weird because all of the sessions are like 20 minutes long. And so there's a ton of them. There's like 400 speakers over three days and they had like 40,000 attendees there. So it was huge. It was way bigger than they've ever had it before. Uh, But at the same time, the tech industry is just starting to get into a very dark period. 
Yeah, so that was very interesting. A lot of people doing layoffs, a lot of uh, uh, venture capitalists that are pulling back and investors that are pulling back. And on the stage, nobody's talking about that. Even the sessions that we're talking about, the bubble bursting and what's going on, they would kind of grudgingly acknowledge that it's going to be tough for a little while. But they had words that they make up a whole vocabulary about their bad times. So it doesn't sound like they're talking about bad times. So they were talking about down rounds, which (laughs) is basically getting less in your next fundraising round. Is that what that is? Or Yes. Down round is when you do an investment round uh, that ends up at a lower valuation than the previous one. So in theory, every time you go out and do another round of investment, the business should be worth more because you take the previous investment you or previous cash, you build the business with it. And then the next time you go out to do fundraising, it's worth more. But if you are in a situation where the business was ridiculously inflated at the last valuation round, there are going to be times where you have to take uh, funding at a lower valuation as things come down to earth. And things have definitely been ridiculously overvalued in the tech industry. We read an article because it had to be an article. It was not going to actually be something that someone said. A Globe and Mail article about basically about how so many of them, like so many companies pulled out because they had just laid off. Oh, there's a bunch of crypto companies that crashed and burned. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of uh, crypto stuff there. And it was almost, I think, a one day stream. And there's a whole pile of them just pulled out. So the way that collusion works is like you have all these hundreds of of talks. So there has to be somewhere for all these talks to happen simultaneously. So they've taken over this huge area. If you're, if you know the Toronto area, it's where the X is. And uh, the Canadian National Exhibition used to be there every year. It's this huge area. And they've built a number of stages. So when you go to a trucking conference, there's one stage. But in collision, there's five. Yeah, five. Well, five in the main area, and then they had another three that were often sort of smaller rooms. Right. So there's a center stage where all the fabulous people are, and then there are themes. So the one that I went to a lot of was called Panda, and um, that's actually marketing. It was a marketing stream. So anybody was talking about trying to, um, you know, build a brand or... um, like figure out some sort of marketing strategy for like next generations, that kind of thing. That was where those things were happening. Panda tech. Oh, it was a panda tech. Panda conf. That's what it is. And then it switched. Oh, there was also a creative place where people were talking about just being creative and just being artists. But there was also a one day, a stage where one of the days it was auto tech. Mm. And there's one that was just green tech and one that was health tech. So what were, and the ones that you went to tended to um, be? I went to, on the second day, they had a full stack, which was a, more of a development um, focus. And then they had SaaS Monster. Oh, that's right. SaaS Monster. For all the, as a yeah, service. all the SaaS companies talking about basically scaling and all of the things that they were doing. So, But it got to the point where I was just walking. I don't know if I was with you or we were just saying everything was a service. Yes. So it's like. Well, there was one, uh, the one that where it really got to me was there's this company called Chief that is, um, a value, uh, it, its value is $8 billion. Supposedly. It got valued at when they did their last fundraising. So, and it's, it's, a, it's a unicorn. So everything's a unicorn now because you can't just, unicorns were companies that got huge valuations, like Private companies with a billion dollar valuation, which used to be extremely rare, hence the name Unicorn. 
But now you're nothing if you're not a unicorn. Yeah, so everybody has to be a unicorn. We have herds of unicorns, and Chief is one of them. And it's interesting because they were talking a lot about diversity and inclusion. And so they were on the main stage. And the reason that it was is because these are two women who have created a networking company. Mm. And all it is is a, I want to say, run-of-the-mill. So it sounds like a Facebook group for women. Yeah, like there's tons of these networking companies around. The only difference is that they cater to executive women and they're exclude like they have a waiting list that they only they don't accept everybody. You have to be vetted. Oh, so they put the velvet rope out front to try and make it seem. Yeah, they did a clubhouse. Yeah, try and make it seem more special. Yeah, and managed to raise eight billion dollars. No, well, they raised money at that valuation. But yeah, sorry, but still. I'm not using the words right. But yeah. But really, and then, so I'm like, okay, let's listen to them because, and nothing. There was nothing that they did. They were talking about, oh, you know, you want to support women. I'm like, that's all you're doing? That's the magic? Really? And I think I may have left early because it was just this congratulations to me because I am, you know, we have built this great successful thing and all the women in our group love us. But, you know, not everyone is included. We have this little, you know, you have this big waiting list. And I'm thinking, this is something I do not want to have any part of. Yeah. And I am, this is, it's like, if you're going to do something as women, like do something. Well, it's so funny that for the last three or four years, when interest rates have been low and there's been so much money floating around that investors will just throw money at everything oh, I know. and just see what sticks. So you have these crazy valuations and these companies that really have no business. And I went to a couple of sessions on scaling, um, scaling a business because that's something that we're working on, right? And I thought it's going to be like, what are the pitfalls? What are the challenges? And how to make sure you, you know, avoid common problems, things like that. But I realized partway through that that's not really what they were talking about. What they were talking about is really deciding on whether they should be scaling headcount before scaling sales and revenue, you know, and, and which one to focus on. Should they grow their revenue or should they say to hell with revenue and just uh, invest in their product and invest in like a massive headcount? And I was thinking, well, that's an artificial decision. You only have that option because you have people throwing money at you all over the place and you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But in the real world, when your business needs to stand on its own, the numbers dictate what you do. You have to build a business that is sustainable on its own and you can't be relying on going out and getting new fundraising every six months. That's not a real business. No, it seems like it seems like gambling to me. It, it, it really does. Like all of these, all of these mid 30s. People who, and apparently if you're over, if you're over 55, then God help you if you're trying to get funding, you have to be a young person, you know, basically not really getting good experience in running a business because all they do is fundraise, talk a lot of smack about whatever it is mm -hmm. they're talking about because they all talk a good game and then run off and spend this money. And when everything goes kaput and you have to lay off all of these poor folks. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go off and do my next thing. I'm going to be a serial entrepreneur. And that does not do any good to anyone. Yeah. It really doesn't. It doesn't help the universe. They all claim that they have these great products that are going to help society. They're going to solve all these problems. No, they're preying on society. And it's really a predatory thing, which I guess we've been to collision so many times that now we're starting to see all the warts. We're starting to see the cracks and the, yeah, all the warts and 
and disease in there because it's its its own little ecosystem. And it's trying to, you can't go there and talk about how you bootstrapped your own company that you, you know, you self, you created your own revenue stream and you. And grew slowly. Yeah. That's not sexy. Nobody wants to talk about that. The only thing that people want to hear is how you can get rich in well, five minutes. Well, it's all minutes. kids fresh out of school. So if you look down the aisles where they have all of these little tiny exhibitors and they had hundreds of these little startup companies and they have like a counter and these people get about six feet of space on the counter and they have a sign with the company name and what it does and they can put their little laptop up there and demo it. And there's hundreds of them and every day it's a fresh crop of them. Yeah. But they're all talking about how they're going to save society uh, with whatever it is they're med tech and pharma or fintech or ag tech or ed tech. It's always something tech. Yeah. I was starting to say, you know, well, I was talking about chief as woman as a service. Girl tech. You know, everything is a service now, girl tech. <laughs> but yeah, it's quite funny. But they're all kids. There's, there's no one over 40 there. There's no one who's actually done anything before. No, no. And I guess the investors that are going down there, they look for things that are an area that they want to invest in and they hear a pitch and they may make a decision about going on to a next level. But it's a lot different now than it was before. So the last time we were at Collision in person, 2019, it was a very exuberant market. And now... Mm -hmm. And the big names were, well, you know, who wasn't there? Shopify. Shopify wasn't there this time. Microsoft wasn't there this time. MailChimp yeah. uh, had been had a big uh, booth there. Well, MailChimp got bought, the company bought them. Yeah, but yeah, Intuit was there, but not with a bigger booth, same size. So what I found very interesting is it definitely had a different vibe. It all felt like they were trying to pretend that the bottom hasn't fallen out of the market. Well, we went to the last one that we went to, the last session was crazy. So just so you know, if you don't understand what tech people are talking about when they talk, like if you're not following the conversation because you don't know all the words and things like that, that's on purpose. They're doing that to you. They want to make themselves seem smarter than they actually are. And mask what's really going on. Oh, yeah. They're using all kinds of made up words. We did start having a bit of a bingo on that. Oh, my God. That was, Well, so Sarah, our new marketing VP, said at one point, oh my God, there's this woman and she said something about double clicking on something or double clicking on that idea. And we kind of heard it and I thought, oh yeah, that's gross. And then we heard her in person. And she didn't mean actually double clicking on something like on a computer. She meant, I would like to explore that or I would like to go into it more. And she just used double click. Ah. See, it makes me cringe just saying it. Oh, I'll double click on that. <laughs> oh, she was awful. But she was on this panel of talking about is the tech bubble bursting or is the bottom falling out or whatever. And these people did not use real language. Yeah, they wanted to simultaneously acknowledge the reality, but also paper over it with how great things are going to be so that they can keep getting their investments happening. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's a self-perpetuating yeah. cycle, right? So the all of these investors are up there saying, well, they have to contend with the fact that everything's you know, kind of cratering out, but they don't want to stop. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want it to stop. They want people to keep wanting to come and invest and they want to make the money and they, it's crazy. It, it was just a, um, a lot of people just with their fingers in their ears. It's going to be very interesting to see what it looks like next year, because then we will have had reasonably six to eight months of things being pretty dark. 
and it's going to get bad. They're continuing to crank up interest rates, which is going to make things very difficult in the community. So what is this conference going to look like a year from now when a bunch of these startups have had their rug yanked out from under them? A bunch of them have been forced to do tons of layoffs. And all of a sudden, everybody isn't a unicorn anymore. Maybe that language will go away. There'll be fresh language to replace it. Yes. Oh, because they make it up. Yeah. It's just constant, like, made up stuff. The one thing, the the one session that I really liked, because like I said, the the um, convoy one, I wasn't super thrilled with because I knew that they were talking about shipping. Well, basically, I could get the same information from freight waves. So I, it was not, it bugged me. But there was, um, same stage, they were talking about, um, there was a guy talking about how instead of having um, the autonomous vehicles have vehicles that respond to a st- autonomous infrastructure. Mm, very nice. So the infrastructure is, you know, set up with controls and you can use local servers uh, to sort of host the controls. And so they are actually doing a, this company is doing a pilot or they're doing a project with BMW and it, it is helping with the driver shortage in the rental car market. So there is a driver shortage elsewhere in the world, not just truck drivers, but drivers everywhere. So the people who drive your car from a lot in one area to you, to you when you buy it, mm. there is, there's a shortage of drivers there. Uh, a shortage of people being able to park cars for whatever reason, for industrial reasons, not necessarily, you know, um, touristy or anything like that. This is an industrial problem. So this company has created a system where the infrastructure around is what is controlling the cars. So you would be able to drop off your car at the entrance of a parking lot and basically it would self-drive to whatever spot it is, but it wouldn't be guided by the car. It would be guided by the parking lot itself. Isn't that cool? It is very cool. I think that's a way better idea. It's such a better approach. Well, yeah, I went to a session. I know you and some of the others were at a session where people were talking about autonomous vehicles being a few years out, being like decade out or something like that. So I went to a session pretty much right after with a guy who refuted that and said, no, two to three years. Wait a minute. I don't remember hearing anything. Oh, I think that wasn't you. You weren't there. Rick and Anna were at that one. Well, th- that person was wrong because that is not true. It is here. I mean, we all know that. This guy that I saw was saying, uh, talking about all of the different places where autonomous vehicles are going to come first. And everybody thinks autonomous vehicle is the driverless car on the highway you're sitting in the back seat getting basically robo-taxied to work. And he said that's going to be like the last scenario where they get used because there's no value in that. It doesn't solve problems. It just keeps more cars on the road. But after you step beyond that and you look at the other places where there really is value, there is a bunch of places where it's happening now. And he's saying the first place that it's happening is off public highway, so on private roads, so construction sites, mining, heavy industrial stuff there's autonomous vehicles that are being used right now. There's also, and I didn't hear this from Collision, but there's also autonomous vehicles being used um, in warehousing. Yep. You know, there's there's like Walmart, I think, is, is using them to move things from one warehouse to another or something like that. But it, it's, it's kind of interesting that we, we have very deep knowledge of what's going on in trucking. Mm-hmm. And so it's weird when you go to 
And even transportation and autonomous transport, like, I mean, all of that stuff about how soon, like how far out it is. I heard that three or four years ago when, um, who was it? Who's, who, who's the people who do the technology of the two trailers that can follow each oh, the other? the platooning, locomation. Who does platooning? It starts with B, I think. Locomation is one of them that does platooning. No, there's another one that they also do collision avoidance. Bendix? Bendix, yeah. Bendix was talking, Did a, there was someone from Bendix who did a talk about basically the same thing, what the different versions of autonomous vehicles are and where we are in it. So three or four years ago, I heard all of this already. It's just that the high tech industry is so far removed from what's really happening. Oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but what's really happening on the ground that they're not even they're not even correct. Like they're all of these investors don't have the information that they need about what is actually happening. That was kind of funny is these people that are there talking about transforming the uh, the trucking industry. And it's like, I've never seen you anywhere. Like you're not going to events. Yeah. What trucking industry are you talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> Which trucking industry are you in? Yeah, because they're not getting any media. They're not getting any press. We don't see them at any events. No. They like are totally out of it. And again, they're 25, 30-year-old kids who went to Stanford or U of T. And, uh, not, the, not the people speaking, though. No. The people speaking are in their 30s, 40s. And there was another guy I heard who, and I can't remember what the talk was about, and he was, he was saying, you know, drivers are only on the road for like maybe you know six hours out of the day. And it was like, okay, this guy. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and you know, there wait, there's all this waiting time at warehouses. And I was like, oh. All right, we got mm-hmm. someone, we got a winner. And then he said, and we're going to solve that to- that problem with technology. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Oh, well, you lost me. You had me. Yeah. You lost me. Because no, that's not how it's going to work. Well, there was a couple of other things that were noteworthy at Collision that uh, I think we can reference. And one sort of a lighthearted one is we always enjoy the fashion there. Oh, the fashion. So when we were there last time, <laughs> three years ago, it was all what Jane calls sock boys. So it's dudes. And it's not a nice. W- yeah. Dudes with the um, dress pants. Brown shoes. Yeah. The fancy brown leather shoes and some crazy socks. Crazy socks, leather, like brown shoes. And it was jeans. It, it sometimes is it was suit pants. On stage or walking around, everyone sock boys. Sock boy. Everyone with the so socks. So we had told our staff, watch out for it this year. You know, let's yeah. see. And so they were watching, but there was uh, almost no sock boys. No sock no, boys. No, this year it was the shiny white shoes or oh. white sneakers, shiny white sneakers or loafers and no socks. Or just like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, I guess that's what I, when I looked at Jeffrey Katzenberg, it was like, Oh, you did not care what you yeah. were to this on your center stage, big, you know, bright and lights. And you finally, on the last day, saw somebody with no shoes at all. I know. There was a guy walking up. We were in the center stage area and there was a guy walking by me with no shoes. And I was thinking that how many safety people would just roll over yeah. in their like Walking around a convention center barefoot. And, and to clarify, he wasn't wearing the monkey shoes with the individual toes or anything like. No. Just full on barefoot. Full on bare feet and not even watching where he was going. So, you know, good luck. I hope you didn't get any sort of tetanus. Well, there's a lot of rusty nails sticking out of the floor there. You don't know what you're going to hit. 
right? Like, is the people are not looking where they're going. I mean, yeah, you're going to get stepped on. And this, you know what? I was like full on violent this time. It was like, you know what? I am not, you're not pushing me out of the way. Hmm. So I'm small. I have complained about this on the podcast before um, because I'm small. And if people are on their phones or they're all looking over my head, like seriously, just straight on looking over my head, they're not looking down and they're just walking. And when you're in a convention, a really busy convention, like this is three times as busy as any trekking conference that I've ever been to. And they do not look where they're going. It's like the Saturday of mid-America all the time. Yes. And maybe a little bit more. On the uh, first day, it was even more. And I was just like, you know, I got my backpack and you're going to get it in your <laughs> ribs. I don't care. Screw you. You people don't want to look. Oh, well, the problem is, is that because everything is on your cell phone, mm-hmm. there's no paper, anything like it's your cell phone is your and all of these things are very short. Much like I think it's a very modeled after investor pitches. Mm. You know, you're not allowed to talk about anything for an hour. No one wants to hear you for an hour. You better get your message out in 20 minutes. Um, so everybody's looking down at their cell phones or they're talking on their cell phones or, you know, everything is cell phone, cell phone, cell phone or lining up for coffee. Now, there was something else as I think about the sort of higher points uh, for me. One of them was definitely the fashion thing that we were we were loving that. Second thing that really stood out for me was the amount of government exhibits that were there. So mm-hmm. when we were there the last time, there was a few, there might've been a half a dozen, maybe it, maybe 10 or so places that it was countries or states or cities that were kind of doing like a trade mission kind of thing. And they had a booth of, yeah. here's why you should bring your startup or bring your tech company to our place. But this time it, there had to be 30 or 40 of them and all kinds of- That many? Oh, they were all over the place. Well, if you think about it, how many different countries did you see? Hong Kong. Yeah, they had Hong Kong. There was China. Luxembourg. They had Italy, uh, Hungary. Ukraine had one that was there. Uh, Uruguay, Costa Rica, like tons of European countries. There was a one um, booth. They didn't say they were, it wasn't a country booth, but the, the guy was from Armenia. The, it was an Armenian company. And they had been, see, Collision, there's the company that does Collision also does a, a, a different show and they had done it in Portugal. They do or, Portugal, I think Ireland and Hong Kong. Yeah. And so this guy was telling me that he had done it in Portugal and now he's doing it here. And Like all the governments are eagerly trying to attract tech companies to come there. Yeah. And like many states uh, in the U.S., cities. We, Nebraska. Had a had a booth. Lincoln, Nebraska had a booth. Yeah. So there's a few cities like that. Chicago had one. Uh, Detroit. I love the one that was from the Yukon trying to convince people to move their business to the Yukon. And I thought that was quite hilarious. And they had like three pictures showing how gorgeous it is during their two weeks of summer. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think there are people who might like to go to the Yukon and global warming. You know, it, it might just be the next. Well, I think all of these things have a lot of... Uh, there's there's a lot of government subsidy. Like if you say you want to move yeah, your business, yeah. Like how there, much government? So if we decided to go to the Yukon instead of to Victoria, like how much of a government subsidy could we get? Yeah, if we move the business there because they think you're going to be hiring people and contributing to the economy. Well, we would we try to contribute to the economy. We really try. The economy has not wanted us to contribute. It has been actively going. No, not so much. Yeah. 
I swear, we bought, we spent a lot of money on travel. Um, we brought two people over from BC. We brought one from Nova Scotia. We had about five or six people on a flight to, from uh, Ottawa. And two from Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, and two from Winnipeg. Plus the people who drove in. And the amount of issues with Air Canada. Oh, that was the Ottawa people reporter. Well, the issues didn't seem to be as bad, Mm -hmm. except on the way back. Everybody's flights were canceled on the way back. So I don't know what's happening. But uh, apparently Air Canada is having some major issues. Well, the hospitality industry in general is a complete mess. Yeah. So they're screaming, please travel, please give us business, but then they can't handle it. So Mm -hmm. flights are late. Uh, We had two people that were bumped off of a flight. They were standing right there in line to get on it and... With their with their seats that had already been confirmed. And they got bumped. And they weren't even the only ones. There was a handful. There was like four or five people from that flight that got bumped. We think for staff. You know, they're bumping, paying customers for staff so that they can reposition because they're in such dire straits trying to get staff in the right places. So it is a mess. And then the hotels. Oh, man. Nobody can can give you a decent... You can't get decent service from beginning to end yeah. anymore. It's just not... Just don't expect it. So it was really rough. And a lot of unhappy workers that were not interested in trying to solve a problem. Just like, oh, that's how it is. You know, this is how it is. This is the policy. End of conversation. And then if you push it, then you get to hear about their woes. Yeah. So. I am not, I'm not doing anything again for a long time. We are all done with travel now for a while. And we feel kind of bad. All of our staff had these travel issues, but at the same time, they were all very happy to come and meet everybody else and yes, hang out and learn. They learned a lot from Collision. It was their their first time being there because uh, before we'd had two years of virtual Collision and then uh, some other staff had gone with us three years ago, but it's an experience the first time. It definitely is a trip the first time you walk into it. Yeah. And I also have to talk about the one one thing that was really a highlight for me at that show, Boston Dynamics. That was on the first day. Oh, I never saw that one where they Boston had the robot. Boston Dynamics are the people who do these crazy robot dogs and robot, like android-looking humanoid robots that are really getting to be quite powerful. So their humanoid um, robots can now, like, they can dance, they can do kind of an obstacle course, they can do backflips and things like that and all maintain their balance. So they're really getting to be very powerful. And they actually brought the robot dog and it was a live demonstration. And that thing is wild. It climbs upstairs, it walked across the stage, it... uh, brought you know picked up something and brought it over and then when it was going back down it backs down the stairs it doesn't go down the stairs frontwards i thought that was interesting that makes sense it doesn't care they have a person who is operating it but that person only kind of gives generic gestures so it's not like move ahead stop it's move forward and uh, then go here or pick up this item and give it to this person or something. And then it figures out all of the other pieces and all of the terrain and, and will deal with all of those obstacles on its own. So that was quite nice. And they kind of announced a new robot. I can't remember what they call it, but it's basically a robot for the warehouse. And right now it's being used to like unpack trailers and things and so in a normal warehouse, take all the boxes off a trailer, put them on a conveyor belt. 
Uh, but it's smart enough to know when it pulls those boxes off, it like if the boxes fall over or something, it doesn't lose that. It goes and finds them, picks them up off the ground, and it keeps track of where everything is and makes sure that everything's in the right order. And it's super fast. And they're talking about how great it is because right now this is backbreaking labor that nobody wants to do when it's real pain to get people to do this loading and unloading of containers and trucks and stuff like that. And I was just thinking, yeah, you're selling it as this great advantage because it's going to avoid the labor. But all of those thousands of people are relying on that income. You're now going to replace with your robot that will do it endlessly, uh, never get tired and never have a sore back. And they're moving from unpacking the trailer to stocking shelves and doing all of that pick and pack stuff. Pretty soon, they're just going to be rolling through warehouses and doing this on their own. I think that the main issues that we're going to see in the future are the transition issues. And it's the same thing with trucking. So in the transition between trucking now and trucking when there is some sort of autonomous vehicle operate like in operation where there is someone kind of, I don't know, attending or not maybe not attending, but it's a drone operator, like there's some some operator elsewhere operating the vehicle or, or or just keeping an eye on like kind of surveying the vehicle as it goes. There's going to be a lot of drama in between those two stages where everybody is going to be and it's just like what you said, it's gonna displace all these people who pick up boxes for a living. Well, no one wants to pick up boxes, so we got a robot to do it, but then everybody's gonna complain that you're not allowed to pick up a box anymore. So you're going to have to think of what to do with people instead. And it's the same thing as what I'm seeing in the travel industry and the nursing shortage that I was talking to someone else about today is that we are in a transition period. So everybody had to lay off. Oh, and also passport <laughs> offices. So Chrissy was talking about how she couldn't, you know, they couldn't get her passport and she has to travel because there's only 20% of the passport stat like the federal government has laid so many people off well the planning of the the whole pandemic where are we laying people off or are we keeping people and how are we going to support them and all that so there's no plan of how to get everybody back up and running it's just now and we saw it at the hotel the hotel people who are not speaking to each other they're not planning as okay how what is the strategy for how we're going to accommodate 40,000 people coming into the GTA for various mm -hmm. events and we have all of these events, which are closing restaurants and closing different parts of the hotel, but all of these people in the hotel are still going to expect some service. How are we going to deal with it? There was no one at that hotel talking to anyone else. No one was trying to solve a problem. It was all just like these various factions going, oh my God, it's all terrible because of this and this and this. This is going to be the same thing that we're going to see in a whole bunch of different industries where everybody's going to be very frustrated, very angry because no one has sorted out the transition. That's going to be the real place where if you can somehow figure out how to move people from A to B, not physically, but mentally, that is going to be a big hmm. It's almost like that whole consulting yeah. around 2000. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting observation. And it gets me thinking about a few different things because this Boston Dynamics demo, they're talking about how amazing this robot is in the warehouse. And they're talking about how the warehouse workers will move from killing themselves moving boxes to being robot operators. And a couple of us that were there listening to it kind of laughed like, yeah, I don't think so. 
that's a very different skill set. You know, those people are not going to be moving from a physical job uh, to uh, a, a robotics engineer anytime soon. And it's fine to say that this is backbreaking work that nobody wants to do. And that's true. But there are people who are willing to do it because they need that income. And until that gets solved, you're just going to have all of that backlash, right? It's kind of what happened on the uh, the assembly line for automotive earlier, but it's moving into other areas that people are starting to say, hang on, you're like, you're killing our jobs here. Well, that's it. Instead of everybody complaining about killing the jobs, like support. Well, that's what you were just talking about, right? Figuring out how to get them from A to B. But nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to get retrained. It's like, well, this is what I know. I don't want to be retrained. There's no uh, I think actually I'm going to dispute that. I think people would love to be retrained. And I think one of the challenges in the employment world right now is that people had two years at home to figure out some other th- things and to try some new stuff and get education. And they're not going back to those crap jobs anymore. But I don't really, I don't buy that as much as people are saying it is that everybody's resigning because they found something no. better. Because everyone is saying, I can't find, I can't find. And there are people who are still, from what I have heard, there are still people relying on employment insurance because it hasn't Mm -hmm. run out yet. So maybe there's a whole whack of people. You said last night, all the international students who normally come into the GTA so that and work as servers in restaurants downtown, well, they haven't come yeah, back. Yeah, I think there's no one single answer or explanation for it. But I think there are people that, given the opportunity, would do something other than backbreaking warehouse labor. Yeah, I guess, I guess what I really was saying is that there are the only people who are really, really seem to have any interest in retraining or governments. And no one wants to do that kind of retraining because it's not, people don't, like it's a government thing. So people are kind of, eh, it's not, it's not going to be helpful. Or, you know, go into these programs that are sponsored by the government and, and it may work, it may not work. But businesses themselves have to figure out the retraining yeah. part of it. The businesses themselves have to give people a career path like, okay, so this is what you were doing. This is what you can do. This is one of the things that we constantly are talking about in trucking where there's no career path. So people are not interested in it. The businesses who say, you know what, this used to be a job. Now you can train to do this job. And this is a more technical job that's going to be in demand, you know, flying a drone or operating Mm -hmm. a road like operating a robot doesn't take a robotics degree like you don't have to be a robot but you know just operating it just making sure that you know it doesn't you know fall down the stairs or something Mm -hmm. like that or that it's going to get the right package or whatever is not can you can be trained so i think as much as all of these investors and high tech and they're all you know great you're coming up with all these crazy ideas. They're not the implementers. The implementers are the people like you and I and people running companies, small and large companies, trying to figure out how do we transition from here to here. I remember us seeing a speaker a few years ago. For some reason, I think it was at the True North Conference where they were talking about AT&T doing exactly that, having a program to retrain all of the line techs that they weren't going to need anymore because they'd shifted the way they were doing things and training them into uh, new jobs. And like basically like 80% of them ended up getting retrained 
and moving into different jobs and other ones that didn't want to, they ended up parting ways. So they went and worked somewhere else where they could just stick with their old skill sets. But there are a few companies who do that, but very few. And it's something that it's not sexy. It's not something that you're going to do a lot of talking about in advance or while it's happening, but it can lead to huge success when it's done. It's an investment and companies, and you think about these unicorns, Mm -hmm. like they don't want to invest in anything. They just want to spend money and, you know, we'll just throw you this job and this job. And then when it all goes kaput, then we'll just sell it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. So the training, that whole thought process is you need a lot of thought. It's a very thoughtful enterprise to try and go, okay, all of these people have these skill sets. What can, you know, what, what would they want to do? How do we, like, how do we develop these careers? That is, no one cares really about the career development of a line mm-hmm. worker. And if you do care, if you if you do show that you care, I mean, it can be really successful, but people don't want it. Like they want yeah. shortcuts. They just want the people to appear. They don't want to develop them. They just want, okay, I want this person with skills to show up or, you know, I want people to work at my restaurant for nothing. I want to follow the old model, but yet it, nothing's working. It, it makes me mad when I watch people who are just banging their head against the wall and nothing is changing, but they will not take one step out and look up and go, wait, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Drives me nuts. I think that is a fantastic place to end. On that. Do you now? <laughs> on that note, let's wrap it up. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>